0: This episode of Please Don't Tell Anyone is brought to you by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way like you know what you should do what's good for you but you just can't do it that is a feeling I know very well and for so long I beat myself up when I would feel that way like what was wrong with me why couldn't I for example be like the other kids and stay at the sleepover I should be able to do that I was always the kid who would go home crying with separation anxiety and I never understood why enter therapy therapy has allowed me to figure out why I am who I am and 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 in doing that work, I can firmly say that I have become a better person. It has given me the tools to not only manage my anxiety when it comes up, but Really break free of it for most of the time. There is nothing that has changed my life more than therapy. I have been in therapy for over 10 years, and I can honestly say that you wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now if it weren't for therapy. So, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash PDT today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash PDT. Do you have an unexpected story to tell or know someone who does? We'd love to have you on the pod. Please apply at please don't tell anyone pod at gmail.com or follow our application link in bio of our Instagram. Please don't tell anyone pod or TikTok account. And I couldn't say that word at that point. but So he acknowledged that it was right before you did? Yes. Hey, and thanks for coming back to Please Don't Tell Anyone. I'm Molly Clark, your host, and this is the podcast where you hear unexpected stories by ordinary people. I go and blind all my interviews so that I can hear the story firsthand just like you. I just want to give a quick trigger warning at the top of this podcast. It does contain a conversation about rape. If that is something for any reason that you do not wish to hear, I recommend that you skip this week and pick up again next week. So when people submit to this podcast, they have an option. One of the routes is to just submit a secret not to be on the podcast. And I post those secrets to our Instagram anonymously. But when people fill out that form, they have the option to click, please consider me for the podcast with the submission. And here's my contact information. So this is actually a secret that we posted to our page about six months ago, and it got a lot of traction, a lot of comments. And I'm so glad that this guest came on to talk about that secret because it it was so interesting seeing the comments and the different directions and narratives and stories that people created around this person from just that small secret submission when really there's a much larger story here and a much larger conversation to be had here. So I'm going to let her read her submission and the episode will start. Don't tell anyone, I said please don't tell anyone. Don't tell do anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Don't tell, don't, said, don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell don't, tears. Tears. don't tell anyone. Please don't
1: tell anyone. When I was sixteen, I was raped by the same person I married about nine months ago. I don't blame him because the school we went to did not teach consent and I froze up so that I couldn't say no out loud. It has made intimacy difficult even to this day and I struggled to find a therapist until recently. As I just told you
0: when you posted that, it got a lot of engagement and I think understandably so because it's a pretty shocking thing to read and it's a pretty heartbreaking thing to read. But I also don't think
1: that you're alone in the fact that I'm not I started telling my story to my friends of course not my family or no one knows this but my friends do and several of them lost their virginity very similarly consent is not something that was taught in schools until recently and the only reason that I was able to finally acknowledge that what happened to me was rape was because when I got to college my school's center of gender inequity studies and those sorts of things they give out free T-shirts that say the definition of consent, hmm. and like seeing those everywhere. And they they do a seminar when you're first going into college about consent and how to get it, and those sorts of things. The tea video, a lot of people have seen the consent tea. If you haven't mm-hmm. sen- seen it, I'll send it to you. But it's talking about, like, how, like, you wouldn't pour tea down someone's throat when they're unconscious, or if they don't want tea, you're not going to force them to drink tea and those sorts of things. It's a very popular tool that, cho- that schools use nowadays for teaching those sorts of things. But until I was a freshman in college, no one had talked about it to me.
0: Wow, so you learned consent from a t-shirt.
1: Yeah, uh, a t-shirt yeah. and the, the tea video and, and the those sorts video. of,
0: yeah. So let's back up. You're from southern Georgia, mm-hmm. and this person, you are now currently married to them? Yes. Do they know that you're doing this?
1: No. <laughs> I have no problem telling him. Uh, we're very yeah. honest and open about all of those sorts of things, and he knows that I see what happened as rape and sexual assault and that I'm now seeing a therapist for who specializes in those things. But even she agrees. I'm not in this marriage against my will, he is the most kind, understanding, loving person who would never hurt a fly. Um, And it was just, we hadn't done a good job of establishing those boundaries. And he had, he just didn't understand where I was coming from at the time. So
0: take us to sixteen. You're in high school. What was your high school like? Because for me, in my high school, we there was a lot of sex education, but I know that's not true across the country. I Yeah, grew up, and especially mm, down in the South. That's what I was thinking. What was your sex education? What was your health classes like? And did this person, did your now husband go to your high school?
1: He did. So we met in high school. I was 15 when we started dating, uh, and he was a year or two older than me. But our school... Four hundred students, approximately, across all grades, and our largest graduating class was mine at the time, around one hundred and twenty. Sex ed for us was like a two-day program where they brought in people from outside to teach. Like it wasn't like the it was the PE teacher who led our health class, and it wasn't like she did it. They had a specific company who they brought in every semester to do those classes, and it was just. The horror stories that you hear online about sex ed in the South, it's completely true. It was just photos of STDs and what they do to your genitals and, you know, how the only way that you can absolutely prevent pregnancy before marriage is just to not have sex at all. It was entirely abstinence-based. And there was a lot of shame and there was no actual education. A lot of people didn't fully understand consent or boundaries or the effects of birth control or those sorts of things that they should be teaching they weren't. And what about
0: at home? Did either you or your now husband boyfriend at the time have parents or family members who discussed this with you or was that not something that
1: happened? My family did not. My brother I know got a lot better education than I did, but my mom was actually a labor and delivery nurse for a very long time growing up. And so I would hear the horror stories associated with labor and delivery and what it does to the female body. And that was my sex ed. It was just don't do this. Or you hear the stories of vaginal tearing and swelling and all of those sorts of things. And she saw a lot of teenagers who 13-year-olds giving birth and so it terrified her to think of her daughter going through those sorts of things. And I think that for her, it was, she was doing her best to educate me, but she didn't get sex ed either. So I don't think anyone in my family knew what to do.
0: And looking back with your husband, then boyfriend, has he discussed with you what his education was? I don't think he got one either. I think
1: that in his family and in our area, it's not entirely uncommon for a young man sex ed to just be what they watch in porn. Yeah. And I think that's why what happened to me happened was because he thought from watching that it was okay and it wasn't.
0: Take us to 1516. How did you meet him? How did you fall in love with him? And how did all of this happen?
1: I met him through my best friend at the time was dating his brother. And so I was invited to a party where he was at, and I didn't realize that his brother was trying to hook us up, and he was. I actually texted him first, surprisingly, which is not something that I ever thought I would do, but he was older. It wasn't like I really, truly knew him. It wasn't like I'd have to pass him in the hallway and be embarrassed. We got to know each other. We had similar tastes in music, similar humor, and that sort of thing. And a month later, we went on our first date, a double date. We went and saw Christmas lights. And how did it progress from there? That was the week of Thanksgiving, and I saw him on Thanksgiving, and I love Black Friday shopping. He wanted a TV from Walmart, and so he offered for me to go with him to get it, and I did. And then we went back to Walmart again later that evening with my family, too. Um, And my mom and I were joking, like, you should go Black Friday shopping with us tomorrow, and he did it. And after... We went shopping on Friday. We went back to his house and his mom said I know it's serious because that boy has a brand new TV in his room that hasn't even been taken out of the box yet. And he's very big on he built his own computer, loves video games, all of that sort of stuff. When his mom said that it was serious because he hadn't done that, I thought it was funny at the time, but it's completely true.
0: How far between this point was it that you lost your virginity and what was it that- exactly one year? So one year from your first date, you lost your virginity, and it Mm -hmm. was through rape. So that first year, you guys didn't have sex at all. What was the conversations during that time about sex? Was it that you guys wanted to? You were saving yourselves? I was saving myself.
1: Yeah, I I grew up in a very sheltered home. Sex wasn't something I ever had thought about up until that point. I was 16. A lot of my sex ed came just from my peers and stuff like this is going to be so embarrassing to say but I didn't know what the clitoris was I know it's that's embarrassing how would you with no education yeah exactly but yeah but to say that you don't know your own body and the way that you learned was just from hearing someone say the word I didn't know I didn't yeah. understand he'd seen me naked and like we'd fooled around a little but nothing serious and it always scared me my first boyfriend grabbed my boob once And I had on a bra that was a little bit thicker. And I didn't realize that he had done that until I got home and he texted me and said something about it. And I just cried because I didn't know that it had happened. I didn't know that I wanted it to happen. It was just... What was the scenario that happened? And were you unconscious? No, it was dark. And he kissed me in the backseat of his parents' car when they were driving me home. I was 14, 15 then. Yeah. And because the the bra was a little thicker, I, I didn't know that he was that he had grabbed my boob.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that that boyfriend I went to a Christian school, so I know that he also didn't have sex ed, but he'd grab my butt and stuff and I'd be like, I, I don't want that, I'm on my period and it was like it didn't matter. I had been accustomed to having boundaries pushed. I was a very quiet. I I did not talk a whole lot unless I was like super close to people. But it wasn't until I got to college that I became a lot more outspoken. And I just I thought that was okay and I didn't say anything and no one had ever taught me otherwise.
0: Yeah, and there was also this religious aspect too.
1: Exactly. And there was a lot of shame that came from that aspect, right? I think that a lot of times nowadays, especially as polarizing as politics and religion have become, that there's a lot of shame that comes with talking about sex and sex ed and those sorts of things. And especially when you're in the religious South, it yeah. can be very hard to talk about. And that's why none of my family even knows because there there would be a lot of shame that came with that those sorts of things.
0: That totally makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. So that first year you guys were happily dating. Were there conversations about sex or was he saving himself for marriage? Was he saying, let's wait till a year?
1: It was always important to him. It wasn't like we came to a year and that was like something that he wanted. It just happened when we were like celebrating our anniversary. He wanted to save it with someone special, but I don't know that he was necessarily saving it for marriage. Not to the extent that I was. And I probably wouldn't have been If I had been older, it probably, the conversation probably would have changed a bit. The big thing for me was always, like, you know that scene in Twilight? This is so stupid. That scene in Twilight where she she knows that they're about to have sex. He's never seen her naked. She, like, psychs herself up and those sorts of things. That was the thing that, like, that I missed out most on was just the anticipation of it. Um, Having those sorts of experiences taken away from you at such a young age. Yeah.
0: No, that's a really good visual. I can picture that exact scene. Yeah. I'm so sorry you were robbed of that. Okay, so to whatever extent you're
1: comfortable, would, would you mind taking us to the rape? Yeah. So we had been out to eat for our first anniversary. And we were watching TV. And I had taken the dress off that I had worn and put my pajamas on. And he had asked if he could rub himself up against me. And I was fine with that. I I figured that seeing that probably did something in his mind or whatever. And that was fine. I was not into that, but that was fine with me. And at some point it just got slippery and went in. And that happened a couple more times. When he saw that I froze and like the look on my face or whatever, he stopped. But the damage was done. We did not acknowledge that what happened was sexual assault or rape without completion for years. I pushed it under the rug. I ignored it. I knew that I had lost my virginity and that was what it was. But I could not acknowledge it as assault for a very, very long time. I was nineteen, twenty, by the time I acknowledged that there was couple of couples counseling once I finally came to that conclusion. She made me say the word out loud, which was something that I hadn't done before, but it was, it was therapeutic. Part of the reason that I pushed it under the rug for so long was because I loved him and he was, he truly was and is the perfect partner. He is loving and compassionate and cares and, and trying to think of what thought process I had.
0: That must, that's okay. I mean, what I'm thinking right now is that must come with an incredibly complicated mixture of emotions for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it always has. But that's why I pushed it under the rug for so long was because he was so great in all the other ways. And so it was like, I worried that once I acknowledged the assault and all of the emotions that came with that, that, like, the guilt would eat him alive or that some sort of animosity would ruin our relationship, which otherwise has always been great.
0: Really concerned about his feelings.
1: Yeah, That's who I am as a person. I will always worry about other people more than myself.
0: Even in a situation where you're so viscerally the victim. Exactly. So going back to that night for a second. So when that happened, then he just stopped and you guys just kept watching the movie and life just continued?
1: This should tell you how little sex ed we had. We panicked because we did not know if what he had done would be enough to get me pregnant. There was no completion. Like I said, he, he stopped after he saw, like, the emotions and stuff on my face. And I felt numb to it, but also I had come to the realization that was it. I, I had lost my virginity in my mind at that point. So the next night, he we had conversations about whether or not it would be appropriate for me to take Plan B. Mm. Because, again, neither of us knew if there was enough sperm in...
0: Pre to
1: yeah, to make me pregnant, and so we went and got plan B, and since I was taking it anyways, we didn't have sex,
0: since you were taking it anyways, yeah, since
1: I was taking the plan B anyways, it was like, if you're taking that anyways, then may as well, in my mind at least, I was like, may as oh, well, oh,
0: wow, so you had sex um, right after the rape, essentially, yes within days
1: because and that's apparently not uncommon in assault or rape victims mm-hmm. because they feel like once they've been broken what's the point and mm-hmm.
0: not that makes sense and so
1: yeah it was my idea because like I said at that point I was broken so why the hell not
0: and that second time do you remember your headspace
1: no not really it was Have probably you...
0: very empty though very numb and then you guys continued your relationship. So at this point, you're you're 16. What age were you when you acknowledged that it was a rape again? Was it 18 or 20?
1: 19, 20.
0: 19, 20. So between yeah. 16 and 19, how did you two navigate a relationship?
1: So that was, I, I took the plan B and then it just didn't happen again for a while because teenagers, I'm living with my parents. I have a lot of anxiety anyways. I don't know how other people sneak around their parents. Because that just wasn't something that I could do. Mm -hmm. And we tried again in college. But I also have a lot of endometriosis. And so between that and the trauma of the assault and stuff, it was always very hard for me to even want to to have sex. Yeah. Which is something that I'm even still navigating to this day. But... We'd try again, and then we'd be abstinent. It was mostly abstinence after after 19, I'd say.
0: When did you, when you were around that age is when you said you had the conversation
1: um, that yeah, you were so assaulted by him. How did that conversation go? So September 2019, I would have been 20, was around the time that we went into couples counseling. And it was conversations about what consent is and isn't and those sorts of things.
0: Who initi- um, How did couples counseling come about? Because usually
1: 19-year-olds don't just walk into couples counseling together. Yes, yeah, it was mostly because we had struggled with that piece for so long of what had happened and how it affected us and those sorts of things. At my college campus, counseling was free. Hmm. There was only one therapist that could do couples counseling. But because it was free, that's why we went. And we had conversations about what consent was and wasn't and... Like, I brought up how I felt about having been grabbed by my ex, and he said something about, if that's how you feel about that, then what that then the other thing, the rape, the assault, that's definitely that. And I couldn't say that word at that point, but so I he did acknowledge. acknowledged that it was
0: rape before you did.:
1: Yes. Wow. And he had been like when we'd had conversations all those years, like he always wrestled with tremendous guilt because he knew how it made me feel. He knew what he had done was wrong. He knew that it had hurt me. At the time, he probably just thought I was, like, going along with it in the moment. But mm-hmm. he always wrestled with with having done such a horrible thing. Because, like I said, he would never hurt a fly if my family knew that he had done this. It would be a period of denial for sure. Because, like, I don't know. It's just the kind of person he is.
0: Wow. So you go into couples counseling, and at what point do you admit to yourself that this
1: is what happened? The couples counselor made me say it on day one. Mm. Did you feel relief? I cried a lot. It was good to finally get it out in the open and say what I had been thinking for many months at this point. It was really hard to say it, especially in front of him. Because, again, I'm the kind of person who is always going to care about others and put them before myself. And it was hard. It was hard to say it, but it was necessary. It did feel a bit like a weight lifted off my shoulders. How did you two move forward as a
0: couple after this? Because what's wild to me is teenage relationships, people break up all the time. But Mm -hmm. this is eight-ish years later. You guys are not only together, but you got married. How are you guys still
1: together? We've always—his parents, apparently before, I— came around his dad used to joke and say oh you'll you'll marry the first girl that you date which wound up being true Mm -hmm. um but it was it was not easy I always wanted to date to marry I mean not necessarily that young but I never was the kind of person who felt like casual dating or not that there's anything wrong with that it just wasn't for me because I get so attached and it's so hard for me to be vulnerable with people and stuff and he agreed to go to couples counseling. He always wanted to put in whatever work I needed or we needed to not only help our relationship, but just to help me. Ever since he realized that what that what he did that night was wrong, which was very soon, he immediately felt regret. It was definitely not easy. And we're both very, like, attachment-type people. We, once we grab hold of someone, like I said, it's not easy to you know, be vulnerable with someone and let that person go. But he also, like I said, was willing to put in whatever it took to make me feel better about the whole situation. And like, I go to support group once a month now, and I'm, I'm seeing a therapist who specializes in helping, like she's at a victim center. Hmm. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised that he was
0: able to admit it to himself that he raped you because based on the education that you're, explaining and where you guys are from and the backstories and everything it's just playing into that stereotype of of Mm -hmm. not knowing and having a sex education i would think that a guy would be like are you fucking kidding me like you were naked you know like all all of Mm -hmm. the horrible things that somebody could say i am so proud that
1: he was able to recognize that and not
0: gaslight you
1: exactly and that's the only reason that it has been able to work is because he admitted it He has apologized. He's put in the work to make it better. Yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of people don't get those things. And I think it's important to also realize that up until the 90s, marital rape was legal. Mm. We're not that far off from husbands having the legal right to rape their wives. A lot of our parents or grandparents have probably gone through that. It's just not talked about, which is part of why I wanted to come on this podcast and why I was okay with, with sharing my story with you is because, like I said, I when I shared my story with a lot of my girlfriends, their virginities were taken under very questionable circumstances, too. I'm sure. And no, saying what happened not and alone. talking about it. and yeah, Exactly. It's very common. The difference with us was that he was able to acknowledge it and, and he was able to acknowledge it and he put in the work to help me make it right. How is your relationship with sex now it's getting better that's a big chunk of what I'm working with in therapy because it's always been hard coming back from the trauma of that being my very first experience it's been hard coming back from that and acknowledging especially now that we're married that not only is it okay and it was to begin with but the Christian shame aside because now we're married. And it's just very difficult to come back from those things. It is getting better. The endometriosis does play a part in that penetrative sex can be very painful. Plus the trauma of having had that happen. A lot of people don't realize the trauma can stay in the body for as long as it can. Body keeps the score. Have you read that book? Y- yes. I, my therapist recommended it. I have it on my shelf to read, but it was triggering. Yeah. But it's not easy. It never probably will be easy, but it's getting better.
0: Now, I'm so glad, of course, that he has taken the path that he has with this and that we are able to acknowledge him in such positive light. But, I mean, you're also allowed to feel angry and resentful. I mean, were you did you go through any period of negative emotion towards him?
1: I need to find ways to get my anger out because I still acknowledge that it's there mm-hmm. and that I have buried it for a very long time. We went through a period when we were in couples counseling where I was 20, I had been in a relationship for five years or so at this point. It was hard. And I had truly never been single because in order to, I feel like, be single, you have to, like, I had never been in a world where, like, I was looking for a relationship Uh in that way. Because before I found him, it had been two months since my breakup with the ex-boyfriend, and that's the only time that I feel like I've been old enough to date and not in a relationship. There was a period of time during that where I realized those things and we went on a break. We were still technically in a relationship, but I did not spend much time with him outside of we had the same major. So we took the same classes and we were in the same study groups and all of our friends were the same because we've been together for so long and we went to the same college. And and so that was incredibly healing for me, realizing that I could be independent and stand on my own two feet even in a relationship it was very hard for him our friends who were there to support him during that time said he looked like a shell of himself but for me it was very healing
0: now initially in your secret submission you said I can't find a therapist to help me now Mm -hmm. we're a few months post that submission and you have found a therapist for those listening who may be in the same position as you how were you able to find the right help
1: for you I got a random Facebook ad for support groups in my area Mm -hmm. from a survivors and victims advocacy center that I did not know existed. Mm. And so I went to a support group and talked to the woman there who worked in this center and hosted the support group and told her my story and told her how I had always really wanted therapy, but, you know, I really wasn't a place where I could afford it especially because a lot of therapists don't take insurance or it can be very very tricky. And the survivor's center have a therapist who works for free for victims. Wow. And so I'm seeing her once a week or so now. And it's been a really big help, especially I think for those who've been in situations like mine, it's very important to find someone who comes from that sort of background working with these things so that she can give you the tools or he can give you the tools that they know work for victims because what we need is different than than your average therapy tools, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, great. I'm trying to think, is there anything that we haven't covered that you
1: think you wanted to say? The biggest thing I think is just making sure that people know that they're not alone, that they say something like, I want to look up this statistic real quick so I don't think incorrectly. So it's one in six teens are sexually victimized in the past year which is crazy and but it's hard to know because so few people report like I didn't report and none of my friends who reported and I have a lot of friends who have been sexually assaulted or raped and some in similar manners like I said and so even just talking to your friends you might be surprised how many can relate to you
0: My only question that I have on my mind, but I feel like you've made it pretty clear that you love this person and want to be with them, is did any part of you think about dating somebody else, especially when you felt so free during that period alone, to not be with someone that you
1: have such a visceral trauma with? I did think about it, but one thing that I have uh, learned over the years in counseling was that a lot of my trauma comes from a version of my husband that no longer exists at that point in time he didn't know what he was doing was wrong and that's why it became such a gray area was because if he had known that what he was doing was not consensual it was wrong it was rape he would not have done it but he didn't know that he we we didn't have the education at the time for either of us he didn't know that it was wrong and I didn't know how to stand up for myself if we had things might would have been very different for me and they would for a lot of other women which is why I think it's so important that we talk to our kids about consent and boundaries and that it's okay for you to not want to hug or kiss or touch even from a young age because once they learn that those things, that it's your body and it's your choice who gets to, to touch it or to do those things even from a young age, those sorts of life lessons stick with you and things would have been very different for me if that had been the case.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that answer. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really excited to have people hear this. I gave this guest the option to not share a restaurant, would have been completely fine, but she wanted to share a restaurant, which of course we love. And the restaurant that is recommended is called Champy's Chicken. It is a local chain and they recommend the chicken finger platter with double fries and also the macaroni and cheese is supposed to be incredible. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and follow the podcast wherever it is you listen to it so that we can bring you more unexpected stories by ordinary people. And if you don't like the episode, forget what I just said and just please don't tell anyone.